Welcome to episode 51 of the Walk and Talk podcast. I'm Greg Johnson, and today is Saturday, November 14th, 2020. Well, the topic for this episode is going to be a thoughtful reflection on the 2020 presidential election. I've already written a little bit on this topic, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here in the podcast or elsewhere dwelling on it, but, um, you know, basically, let me give you kind of the rundown, because I, I like to do that, give you sort of a brief summary of uh, sort of where the podcast is heading in this episode. Um, basically, in a summary, I would say that, you know, the commentating on the news channels about the election has been to say that um, Joe Biden is a complete opposite of Trump, and that's why he seemed to get, yeah, what is it, four million or something more of the popular votes. And strategically, you know, in some of the states, um, he did what he needed to do to get the electoral college votes or numbers, I guess you could say. Um, and so. This is by some being seen as a mandate that, you know, people don't like Trump and they want something different and that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the different that they wanted, the different solution. So basically, my sense of it is that what we saw kind of warming up in 2016 and increasingly over the past four years has been some extremism on, I'll say, both sides, although at this point there are so many sides to political views. But basically, you know, on the, the far right, you have these militia groups and militant, violent, heavily armed people who um, are very staunch in their opinions and believe they're right and want to defend those rights. And so that's what you have on the one side. And that's kind of alarming to the rest of the United States or the world who don't believe that that sort of militant machismo is a good thing. And then on the, the left, you have some extremism as well. You know, people that uh, there's nothing wrong with peaceful protesting, but if it turns into throwing objects at police and smashing in stores and burning down cities, basically, then that's viewed by some as perhaps too excessive on the left. And so what's happening is that each side is using the video clips and sound bites to portray the other side as the evil, wicked, horrible, violent, militant, irrational extremists. So that's what's going on on one side of the wall and the other side of the wall are people throwing things back and forth at each other um, of this political divide. And there are people in the middle sort of getting impacted by that. But as a result of the extremism, you know, people believing and feeling so strongly about their uh, views, this happens. You know, when somebody feels like they're right, then they feel the ends justifies the means. So there's been this, I think, kind of a rush to the middle. And you have formerly, you know, right-leaning right of center or left of center people kind of coming closer to the center who are saying, okay, uh, you know, throwing objects at the police isn't the answer. Burning down cities isn't the answer. Shouting isn't the answer. Um, becoming a, an armed right-wing nationalist militant obviously isn't the answer. So, you know, these people are kind of rushing to the middle and saying, hey, we need some sanity 
I was surprised, you know, with all the support that Bernie Sanders had in 2016 and again in 2020, everybody, you'll remember, everybody just kind of dropped out that, what was it, 24 hours before Super Tuesday or something, you know, and the party leadership and uh, influencers decided that Biden was going to be the choice for the nominee. And, you know, now it looks like maybe that was a good choice for them for getting somebody that would win. But anyway, um, basically on the left, people sort of rejected Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, um, even, you know, AOC and others who were pushing for more progressive positions were kind of dropped out of the news and dropped out of the race, uh, or at least the visible race, and all the attention went to Joe. And so I don't see Joe Biden as he's portrayed in political ads by the opposition, uh, as I don't see him as being some extremist, left-wing, radical, liberal, operative for the progressive movement. And the critics from the other side are referring to Bernie Sanders as Comrade Bernie. So there's this real emphasis to portray the Democrats and particularly the lefter wing of the Democratic Party as extremist socialists, you know, people that want to destroy America. I think that kind of rhetoric is just sort of misleading and inflammatory and inaccurate. I mean, I think what we have is that political analysis ends up being shaped by somebody's views and goals and how they want to influence perception. So, you know, people on the left will say, oh, this is proof that, you know, everybody in America loves Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and that's how come the Democrats won. And those on the right will say that the fact that the win was close or something, that they'll say, ah, this is really proof that everybody loves Trump. Something that struck me on election day as the poll numbers were coming in was I was looking at some of these red states in the middle of the country and the outcomes there for Trump were like some of them 30 to 35 percent for Biden and 60 to 65 percent for Trump in quite a few states. And in other states, it was maybe a, you know, 10 percent lead, which would be significant, but like 20% lead, 25%. I don't remember seeing that happen before. I don't know. Maybe these middle of the country and down south states are deep red states where it doesn't matter who runs, they're going to win big there. But that struck me as significant because, you know, the problem with partisan politics for an individual is that it, it doesn't inspire independent thinking and it doesn't inspire critical thinking. You basically start with a premise that whoever your party leadership props up is a good person, the best person, excellent candidate, and you're going to support them no matter what. You're going to amplify their positive attributes. You'll minimize their negative attributes. And it's sort of just like a football game, you know. And if one of the players in the football game on the team ends up testing positive for drugs or getting into some uh, crime or something, they get arrested, you'll still defend them. You don't care about their character. They're part of the team and they're a good linebacker. So whatever. And so you get certain political personalities now that are obviously (laughs) them and the people around them are criminals, basically. And 
And yet, if you're part of a certain party, you'll say, oh, well, you know, nobody's perfect, and at least they are right on some issues or they get some things done. But, you know, that's what partisan politics does to an individual, is it makes you start to accept things that you wouldn't otherwise accept if you were just using independent and critical thinking. And for those who don't like Trump and see him as a threat to democracy, basically, um, imagine if there was somebody worse than Trump. That person would probably still win because in these states that so heavily lean toward a certain party and worldview, um, you know, one election or 10 elections isn't going to change how people think. So you can take Trump out of the equation, put someone else in the equation, and the movement goes on. So I was just thinking about that and how, you know, there's this divide that isn't solved by any particular political leader being elected. Now, the other thing, though, oddly enough, and maybe could be more troubling, I guess, depending on your perspective, is that there were a lot of counties where twice in a row uh, Obama won. There were people who were excited about Obama when he first ran. They supported him after four years, still excited, kept him in office, and then suddenly switched to Trump. What's that about? I mean, you could understand it if people were excited about Obama, but then four years later said, meh, they'll support something. But this is eight years later eight years of supporting Obama and then suddenly flipping to Trump and now flipping back again to Biden. So what I'm getting at is that despite me saying earlier that people are very partisan and they're just going to vote for whoever's being propped up by their party, the fact is that if people are flipping and flopping that much from Obama to Trump, then that suggests that they don't really have any party loyalty necessarily. They have maybe a loyalty to people that are different. Now, on the one hand, it's good that people don't have this locked-in party loyalty, but then if what we're seeing is that people who might traditionally be voting for Democratic Party candidates or Republican Party candidates, if they are in mass over 70 million people supporting Donald Trump, that means that party doesn't matter and that the next Donald Trump character that comes along might be supported. And so, again, having good strategy, using social media, really figuring out what areas you need to concentrate your efforts, all of that, it's good. And, you know, the election is sort of handing out grades and report cards to those who are involved in a campaign to see, you know, what was the overall impact and outcome of that campaigning. And in that regard, campaigns are a test or an assessment of the leader who presumably is in charge of the overall campaign and direction. And it's an assessment of those who were involved in the campaign. And so in that regard, you can say, you know, the the person who's winning, let's say, the position of the president may not necessarily be the best person for the job, but they, they certainly were the best person to run a campaign. The other factor certainly is charisma. You know, when somebody can fill stadiums with cheering fans that's helpful. It's helpful to win an election, but not necessarily helpful to run a country. So we have these different hurdles and measures of success that don't really have much to do with being an effective president, and in fact, almost are contradicting what we would want in a president. So what I mean by that is, the person who's able to 
instill fear in people, who's able to divide our country, who's able to somehow have a lot of money from who knows where, and make people afraid and partisan and tribal, they probably could win because they know how to manipulate people. Well, that's not what you want in a president and a leader. What you want in a leader is somebody that you know calms people down, brings people together, unites the country. Well, if you have those skills, that's great, but you're not going to win an election with that. At least that's the common thinking. So anyway, it's just kind of interesting, particularly this election year. As you probably know, the election wasn't really called until Saturday the 7th. And at that point, immediately, a lot of the sort of moderate centrist Republicans who all along have sort of been grumbling about Trump despite pressure from their party and despite pressure from the fear that there's some loyalists, some devotees who might, you know, take some negative actions toward anyone who speaks out against Trump. And so that's a lot of the reason why people have been pretty quiet about him. But anyway, so on on Saturday, as soon as it became clear that the numbers were substantial enough that there was no way for Trump to win, these dozen or so influencers and uh, well-known Republican figures were congratulating Biden on his win. And, you know, presumably those people would be considered as possible candidates for positions in the new cabinet and in the new administration. John Kasich, who is a Republican, sort of like, I guess you could say in that camp of Mitt Romney or Jeff Flake or other Republicans who are more center moderates. So John Kasich was being interviewed on the news, and he was saying that the election outcome was not a reflection of left versus right, but it was a reflection of extremism versus centrist, moderate willingness to collaborate with others. And that really the moderates, the centrists, won this election. And I, I, that would be the point I would make. And if I have a bias, it is biased toward these sort of moderates and centrists who are slightly left-leaning, slightly right-leaning, are able to work together, are able to find complementary and interdependent and supportive solutions that result in everybody getting what they want, basically. And uh, so I've, I've always supported that. And so I liked hearing that analysis instead of uh, some other analysis that's trying to defend or up, you know, promote one extreme or the other. There's a misconception, I think, about moderates or centrists, and that is that they are weak people who aren't willing to stand firmly for a position. And so to counter that misconception, what we're seeing are some really innovative responses from those in the middle. And there was a political campaign ad in Utah leading up to the election, and the opponents for governor of Utah, they got together and they made a campaign ad with the two of them in the ad, talking about how, despite people's differences in terms of policy or whatever, that we all need to work together and be respectful and raise the bar in terms of dialogue. And and I just was really impressed with that. 
We also saw when Governor Lee in Tennessee was elected, replaced Governor Bill Haslam in Tennessee. And leading up to the election, something that Bill Lee did was he had a campaign ad in which he was praising his opponent and saying that his opponent was a good man and a servant for Tennessee and, you know, just had wonderful things to say about his opponent and then said that simply that they just had some different views on how to solve problems. And so, you know, this is what we're seeing from the middle. People who are bold enough to stand up against tyranny within their party, people who are bold enough to be alone. You know, that's that's not an easy thing to do. People that find an affinity with sports or politics or something, you know, they like to belong to a group. They like to belong to a team. They like the sense of loyalty. And um, so for somebody to step out of that, it's sort of the equivalent, I guess you could say, of like a whistleblower in some big corporation. You know, you're drawing attention to yourself. You're not getting support from the circles that you'd expect. So these politicians who are standing up for centrism and being moderates are, are stepping out of a comfort zone. So they really, as I say, despite the misconception that people think they're weak, they're really very strong to be able to stand up to all of that. And let's say you're a Republican who steps out and says that you're not supporting Trump you're not just going to suddenly have a whole bunch of friends who are Democrats. You're going to be in this kind of middle ground. And so those people who made that decision, I, I admire that. I respect that. I think, you know, even if somebody doesn't agree with that, you can say that does take courage and it reflects and shows independent thinking and critical thinking. So anyway, those are just a few viewpoints and observations uh, coming out of the 2020 election. I don't spend a lot of time on politics because I think while it's interesting, sort of like sports is interesting um, in terms of, you know, direct impact on people's lives. Uh, certainly there are opportunities for some positive things to be done through legislation, but really culture and society has to change if anything's going to stick. You know, you, you can't just go to the heartland into Alabama or something and start telling everybody, you know, legislating that everybody has to eat tofu and then feeling like that's a victory. You know, if, if the culture doesn't change, if society doesn't change, these political wins are just short-lived and they're just about as meaningful as, you know, whoever wins uh, a particular sports match that someone else can win next time. So uh, until there's like a systemic change and a cultural change, legislation really, uh, that's a, a hard way to go to try to change society through laws. Uh, really, the society should change the laws based on changes in society, if there are some. But um, anyway, that's why I don't focus so much on politics. I'd rather focus on things that bring people together, specific solutions to specific problems where everybody can be involved and we don't vilify or demonize other people and split our society in two, but instead bring people together and say, hey, how can we, with our many differing views, come up with some creative solutions. And I, I alluded to this earlier. I said that there aren't just two sides, there are many sides. I mean, we have, there are people who are supporting the Green Party. There are people who are 
on the left wing of the Democratic Party. There are people who are on the right wing and center and all of that on the left side. There are people on the right side in the Republican Party who are, you know, extremist militant nationalists and also some many who are just kind of mainstream, slightly right of center. And they're Tea Party people and they're traditional Republican Party people. So there's so many views and you'll find, you know, somebody who puts the label on as a Democrat or a Republican, and yet their views are all over the place. That It's hard to pigeonhole people. So we really uh, don't have this situation where there are just two sides. Well, the rain's starting to come down. It's a cold fall day, and uh, this is really one of my first podcast episodes in this kind of inclement weather. And since I started the podcast up this year in the spring, it's mostly been nice weather. But now we're getting into kind of windy days. Maybe you can hear that wind blowing a little bit and the rain falling. But I do hope to keep these podcast episodes going even into the colder months. And appreciate all of you who are following along and those who click like and who reach out and contact me. Feel free to submit any suggestions for topics to cover. Any feedback always appreciated. So have a great day and I'll look forward to sharing more with you again soon. Take care.